today we are beginning a new series entitled First. Tell your neighbor, Firsts. How many of you know the story of Cain and Abel? So the story of Cain and Abel in the Bible is about two brothers. Their mother and father is Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve teach their boys about giving, about bringing a first fruit before the Lord. Abel, you know, he made a slam dunk with his offering. But Cain got it all wrong. Let me say that. Cain got it all wrong. I got a couple of questions for you this morning. And if you can answer yes to any of these questions, I want you to stand to your feet and remain standing. Okay? And um, just nudge your neighbor and say, participate. <laughs> participate. I didn't see anybody nudging. Nudge your neighbor and say, participate. So the first question is, have you ever gone the wrong way down a one-way street? Stand to your feet if you have. And you could just kind of wave your hand if you are included in any of the other ones. Have you ever picked up a drink, taken a sip, only to find out it was the wrong drink? Stand to your feet. Wave your hand. Okay. Have you ever gone to the restroom only to find out you're in the wrong one? Ladies, males. Have you ever been in a parking lot at the grocery store and you put your keys in the car and the keys won't go into the keyhole because you finally notice that it's the wrong car? Stand to your feet. Okay. All right. We're getting somewhere. Now this one. Have you ever put your shoes on the wrong feet? Foot. Feet. However it's. Everybody should be standing because we all learned how to put our shoes on and most of us put them on the wrong feet. You can be seated. Nearly every one of us in here has done something the wrong way. Jesus points out the wrong way for doing something and the right way for doing something. We could see that in Matthew 6, the sixth chapter. Jesus expounds on the wrong way versus the right way to do three things. He contrasts the wrong way with the right way. Notice Jesus in this chapter, he doesn't say if you do these things. He says when you do these things. So this is how you should do them. And this is how you should not do them. He says, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. Not if you give, not if you pray, and not if you fast. So that lets us know that we are required to do all three of them. So this is how you don't do these things. When you give, you don't give before, you don't give before men to be seen, right? And when you give, you don't sound the trumpet like the hypocrites, okay? And you do um, like the hypocrites do in the synagogue and on the streets. Because if you do that, you will be rewarded by men. He also said when you pray, you don't pray to be seen by men in the synagogue. 
And when you pray, you don't pray vain repetitions in the synagogue to impress men. Because if you do, you will be rewarded by men. Then he says, when you fast, moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. And we just came out of 72 hours. We had an amazing time. Anybody regenerated from 72 hours? All that fasting and praying and consecrating before the Lord. I know I'm ready for the year. I love 72 hours. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Guess what? If you do that, you will be rewarded by men. So then he tells them how they should do it. He says, this is the God way of doing it. This is the kingdom way of doing it. He says, but when you give your charitable deed, you should be given, giving in secret. And your father who sees in secret, he will himself reward you openly. But when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. <laughs> but when you fast, this is how you fast. Anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. But your father who is in secret, he will reward you how? Openly. So we can see that there's God's way and then there's man's way. God's way is the kingdom way. Here's the thing, though. If you notice, you will be rewarded if you do it the wrong way. And you will be rewarded if you do it the right way if you do it God's way. So it is the expectation that we will all make a priority of giving, praying, and fasting God's way. Amen? Everything we do in the manner that Jesus teaches is registered in heaven because there is a reward if we give God's way, if we fast God's way, and if we, if we give, fast, and pray God's way. But you can't have it both ways. It's got to be one or the other. Because in the same chapter, Jesus teaches that you can't serve God and riches. No one can serve two masters. He says, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So those who choose God over man are put in a different category under the care of a loving father. The children of God don't have to worry because we can trust that God, our heavenly father, cares for us. So we're in a different category, a better category, a more secure category under the auspices of our heavenly father when we do it his way. Jesus goes on to say in chapter six, he says, therefore, I say to you, 
Who is you? It's the people of God, the righteous, the children of God. He said, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is not like, it is not life more, is not life more than the food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly father, whose system we operate under, whose covering we are under, his children, the righteous, your heavenly father knows what you have need of. So why do you worry about clothing? Jesus is saying to this whole large group of people that are standing before them. Remember, there are some who are doing it God's way because he calls them hypocrites. Now, here's the thing, though. Hypocrites are people who claim to be doing it the right way, who have added things in to make it look like it's holy. It's a big facade because on the inside, they already have their reward from men. And that's the, the reward that they're seeking for. And so they're fooling themselves, thinking or making it look like they're doing it for God. He says, now consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil, they don't spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Look what happens under God's system. Thank you, Lord. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not more, much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying what you shall eat or what you shall drink or what you shall wear. For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Who are the Gentiles? They are the people that are not under the covering of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Our anchor verse today is Matthew 6, 33, right in the same chapter, the whole sixth chapter. Read it when you get home. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is God's way of doing things and his righteousness not our righteousness, not our way of doing things, and all these things shall be added unto you. Why? Because he rewards those who do it his way. You got that? He rewards those, <clears throat> excuse me, who do it, <clears throat> excuse me, his way. So let me read it without the emphasis that I put in it. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So if you seek, pursue, and follow after God, all these things God said, our Heavenly Father said, he would take care of us. This chapter, same chapter, speaks of those who put God's way of doing things above anything else. The title of this message is Pursuing the Kingdom of God. So here's the thing. When we do things God's way, 
we will be rewarded by God and we do it to please men, we will be rewarded by men. Which do you prefer? God's reward or man's reward? When you prefer God's reward, you get free from people and their desires for you. You stop trying to please other people, but you pursue and you put God first and you do nothing but try to please him. And when you please him, if the people around you are not pleased, then it's time to find some new friends. Abel was rewarded by God for his offering. He bought his offering in faith. Cain did not. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God, he must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I feel like God this morning is going to shake some stuff off of us that we have systems and beliefs that have been attached to us for years. Even though some of us have been saved for years, I believe that this word is going to pierce our heart this morning, fall on good ground and produce fruit. Because many of us have not been seeing fruit. We've been praying and we've been seeking. But this year, we know this year to be a year of persevering and harvesting. Right? So this is the way to the harvest. So it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently. That word diligently is earnestly seek him. That means putting him first, putting God first, no matter what anybody says around you. Not your mother, not your father, not your sister, not your boyfriend, not your girlfriend, not your boss, not your neighbor, nobody else. Because you don't want the reward from them. If you want the reward from them, then go ahead and please them. So this is going to set you free and separate you from the wrong and the right. And put you in the place where you can produce the harvest that we're believing God for. I don't know about you, but on New Year's Eve, I took that as a clarion word. I took it as a rhema word. And I grabbed a hold to that. And I'm looking for the harvest in 2024. Because I will continue to plant the seed of the word of God in my heart, believing that my ground is a good ground heart, not a stony heart, not a thorny heart, not the word that will fall by the wayside, but a good ground heart that will receive the word of God and the word will produce and bring forth fruit. That's what's happening in 2024. So if you don't get in with the program, you're going to miss out. Because everything that God has for you is going to come through the word of God. Through understanding the word of God. So it says those who earnestly seek God, put him first. Point number one, pursuing the kingdom of God begins and ends with faith. Let's look at Jude, the book of Jude. The book of Jude was written by the brother of James. He is also considered to be the brother of Jesus. He, he identifies himself as a servant of God. This book that he's writing is probably one of the 
um, he's writing to one of the churches that he helped establish. Jude really wanted to write this mushy, feel-good, fuzzy-wuzzy letter, something encouraging, something to make them feel good. But Jude writes under the unction of the Holy Spirit, he writes a rebuke instead. Jude gives his readers two assignments. He says, defend the faith and do not be deceived. Defend the faith and do not be deceived. I want to stop here and say that God is going to move. Many of us receive Jesus as our personal savior. And uh, we became converts, but we stopped there. How many of you know what the tabernacle of Moses is? You enter into the door so you can go to the holy place, tend to the holiest of holies. But many of us never get to, the holiest of holies is just a, a type of experience where we go to the greater things of God, the things that we can really learn and understand, the ways of God. And the ways of God, we choose to follow his ways. But some of us have become converts, but we stop there. We haven't become disciples. A disciple is one who will change history. But a convert is one that'll make it into heaven. I don't know about you, but when I leave this place, I hope that it is said of me that she followed God with all of her heart. That she loved God with all of her heart. And I pray that when I leave here, that I'm just, 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 just emptied out like a drink offering. And everything that God had for me to do is done. I don't want to just be a convert and just make it in. I want to represent the kingdom of God. How about you? So he said he had two rebukes to this church. He said, I want you to defend the faith. And I don't want you to be deceived because he said, I want you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once delivered to the saints. So in other words, when the faith was first delivered, they were all going full force to the point where they, they were martyrs. They, they died and, and, and um, they were not, they died for the integrity of the scripture so that there would be no false doctrine in the church. They did that for us. They were the first, but they did it for us so that we don't get a watered-down version of the gospel. And a watered-down version of the gospel will not bring deliverance. The watered-down version of the gospel will not bring holiness. The watered-down version of the gospel will not uh, cause you to change your ways Go from living in a wrong way to want to live in the right way. But it wasn't a watered down version of the gospel that captivated my heart. Because along with it came instructions on how to live. Thank you, Lord. So he said, contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. He said, do not be deceived. He said, for certain people, anybody got, anybody got people? that you want to call certain people. Certain people. <laughs> he 
means that certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. They were designated by the devil to come into your life to get you off course from the divine purpose that God has for you. Don't you know that there are certain people that ordained by Satan to come into your life to take you off course? So say this, say certain people, any certain people, God showed me who they are. And I see the Lord showing everybody all these different people right now that you're going to leave this place and you're going to separate yourself from them. <laughs> he said they have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord. So their only purpose was to come in to bring confusion, to bring division, to water down the gospel for their own self gain. So these certain people are described in the fourth verse of Jude. Read it when you get home. They're described as denying the lordship of Christ. You got any certain people like that around you? They're described as fulfilling unrestrained sinful desires. Don't turn your head because there might be somebody sitting next to you. They're described as rebelling against authority. Keep your head straight because that could be you. <laughs> They're described as people who are in the midst of sexual immorality, following their own desires. Can I get another? Amen. They're described as greedy people, people who are shepherding only themselves or concerned only with gain for themselves. We don't have anybody in here like that, I know. They're described as divisive, as boasting, as fault-finding. You ever been around a person, let's call it that certain person, who never finds any good in anybody? Certain people that claim to be leaders in the Christian community, but they have nothing useful to offer people. They abuse the teaching of God's grace to turn forgiveness into a chance to continue in their sin and to lawlessness and whatever kind of lifestyle that you want or they want. Those certain people. God, let us not be that certain person. I don't want to be that certain person. The scripture says now, the spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Now, is Jesus' way, God's way, the kingdom way? Anything else is false. Because Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man comes unto the Father except through me. So we're moving from being a convert, just getting in and saying I'm saved, to a person who is putting God first and following all of his precepts. Jude tells us to contend for the faith that was once delivered. There was a little bit of everything going on in that church in Jerusalem. It was far from what was expected of them. 
it was apostasy, which is bringing into the church that which does not belong. So you bring it in your own philosophy. You're bringing in your own ideas. You're bringing in, uh, you know, you, you, you say, I, I can't get through this, so I'm just going to live with it. When the Bible says that he was wounded for all of our transgressions, he was bruised for all of our iniquities, and all of our, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. So that declares that we can be free from anything that the devil put upon us. And so if we come in an agreement and say that we cannot, then we are walking in falsehood because the truth of the word, Jesus came to set the captive free. So if you're captive by anything, the blood of Jesus has been shed so that we can all be free. That's the standard that is set before us in the word. So apostasy is trying to bring into the church that which does not belong. There is only one way in the church, and that is God's way. Jesus is the head of the church. We are the body of Christ, and we follow his orders. He is the one that tells us where to go, when to go, what to say, how to say it. He left us the Holy Spirit who promised to be our guide, our comforter, our leader, our teacher. And so the Holy Spirit is the guide of the church, and he will guide us. Can I get an amen on that? Point number two is pursuing the kingdom of God requires following God's way. In Proverbs, Solomon writes to his son and he gives him instruction. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding unless your understanding is in line with the word of God. In all your ways, and that's my paraphrase, okay? <laughs> In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Anybody walking on a crooked path? Anybody walking on a path that has got so much confusion? He said he would make it straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits and all of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. He says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be wary of his reproof because God disciplines those whom he loves. It's not a beating, a condemnation. I'm going to... Uh, punish you. No, the Holy Spirit comes and he draws us to the Father so the Father can wrap his loving arms around us and teach us how to live for him. So he said, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be wary of his reproof for the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, better than gain from man, better than gain from profit, better than gain from gold. It's better than anything. She is more precious than jewels and nothing 
you desire can compare with her. Talking about wisdom, God's way of doing things. This year, in 2024, we want to put God first in our hearing, in our sight, our ear gates, our eye gates, our heart. We want to put him first. He needs to be seated on the throne of our hearts. Let's seat him on the throne of our heart. So if he's seated on the throne, then we will get our orders from him. So before there were computers, there were um, people who calculated the math that put rocket ships into space. How many have ever heard of Katherine Goebel Johnson? Yes, Hidden Figures, my favorite movie. Along with other 30 women, they calculated the launch and landing of the first rocket ships that went into the sky. They were having a hard time coming up with a math for the go, no-go. Everybody say that, go, no-go. The go, no-go is the point where the rocket ship would move from an elliptical order orbit to a parabolical orbit. So without these precise calculations, there would be disaster. If the ship is brought into soon, it would burn up on reentry. And if it's brought in too late, it pushed, it put, it'll be pushed out of the Earth's gravity. And any changes to mass, weight, speed, and time, or distance, any friction or puff of wind would alter the go, no-go. So the go, no-go has to be exact. My third point is any deviation from God's plan will alter God's desired outcome. Any deviation from God's plan will alter God's desired outcome. I've been learning a lot, and I, and I use my granddaughter a lot right now, but she's my heart right now. So I've been learning a lot, and um, she likes to do things on her own. She's five. She'll be six this year. She likes to do things on her own. So I'm always trying to help her. You know, if she's putting something together, no, no, Mimi, no, no, no. Or if um, my husband is trying to teach her something, no, Mimi, I, you know, she's pushing us away. Sometimes we can be like that, where God already knows how to put things together. He knows because he, he is the perfect design. He knows our lives better than we know ourselves. He knows our beginning. He knows where we are right now. And he knows our future. He knows the future plans that he has for us. And so God is, he's trying to get us to take our hands off of it. And he wants to help us get to the divine purpose and the divine outcome that he has for us. But we're like my granddaughter and, she, you know, we're saying, no, God, I got it. No, God, you know, I, I, I don't need you, God. I can do it by myself, God. And we kind of have made, made it a habit because we have learned to be independent. And so a lot of the things that we do, it 
may or may not be God's way, a part of the plan, a part of the strategy, a part of the equation that God has in order to get us from point A to B to C to D. Because when we brought him into our lives, when we said, Jesus, I want you to come into my life, we got saved. And that says, Lord, I want you to live in my heart. And then we get baptized in water. And that tells the world that I'm going to live for God no matter what. You declare to the whole world that I'm going to live for God. But the problem is some of us don't go from the, the salvation experience to being a disciple that fully releases our complete life, our daily lives, our future, our children's future to the Lord. Many of us will stop right there. We don't study the word. We don't have any understanding of the word. And um, we're struggling. We're going through in our family. And, you know, we're calling people. And we're calling the wrong people. And some of us want to call the wrong people because some of us really don't want to hear what is right because some of us enjoy where we are. Some of us are comfortable where we are. But I'm saying this morning, God is pulling all of us out of that comfort zone that doesn't line with what he has for us. Because God designed the go, no go for all of our lives. He has the exact equation because he knows the plans that he has for us. Plans to prosper us. Plans to make us a success. So if you have certain people in your life that is pulling you away from what God has revealed for you, you got to make a decision. You got to make a choice today. You can make a choice today. You can make a decision today. No matter how uh, ingrained and how deep those soul ties are, and I know what soul ties are, and it's hard to break things off. But let me tell you something. Like I was saying on Friday, keep planning the word of God in your spirit. And he will strengthen you because you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so your mind will never, no longer say, I can't, but your mind will say, I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So don't allow the enemy to lie to you to make you think that you are stuck and you're always going to be stuck. When I got saved, I made a promise to the Lord that I would obey his word. And it was almost like he was just over me. And I could hear him speaking in my heart. And he would ask me things, and I would say, yes, Lord. And then he would ask me things and ask me if I would, he would tell me, you will no longer do this. And I would say, no, Lord, I will never, I won't do it anymore. It was a conversation. Like I was having a conversation. I can't compare it with anybody. It was, a, it, was, it was a voice that I had never heard before, but I knew it was the voice of the Lord. And he asked me, he said, will you obey my word? And I said, yes, Lord. So I live my life on that, yes, Lord. I live my life on that, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go, yes, Lord. Whoever you want me to cut out of my life, yes, Lord. 
however long I got to go through to see the salvation of my children, I say, yes, Lord. However long I got to go through to see the salvation of all the children that I'm praying for, calling their names out day and night, I say, yes, Lord. Because he knows the plans that he has for me. And when I was going through with my husband, I said, God, if it's your direct will, I say, yes, Lord. <laughs> and when he disclosed and uncovered himself in the word, sometimes I'm reading the word and all I can do is cry. Anybody ever get there? You feel the tears falling out of your eyes. You fall to your feet and prostrate before the Lord because he reveals himself. And all you can say is, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You know what you have for me. I remember one time I was going through and somebody had died. I was in Oklahoma. The person that died was here and I couldn't get here. And I just wept and cried and grieved. And, and I was just before the Lord, just, just, just in a state where, and I woke up saying, Lord, you are good. Your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good. And that's him speaking in your spirit. The word of God is alive. Jesus is alive. The Holy Spirit is real. And many of us want to do it outside of the plan that God has for us. But let me tell you, there is no other plan. If you're a born-again Christian, this is the way to go. There is no other way to go. So we have to teach our children, by example, the importance of putting God's word first. We have to show them what that looks like. When we're going through, we're not going to cuss at our, at our spouse, right? Amen? We got to show them. And when the teacher has called you for the 50th time about that child who just doesn't seem to be getting it right, you're not going to go home and you're not going to get angry at that child. You are going to show them what love is. Or nor are you going to get angry at the principal or the teacher <laughs> or the bus driver. Because you are showing example, right? Nor are you going to get mad at your coworker because you have the living word coming out of you. You become a walking epistle and they read the Bible by your life, right? I remember when I was in high school, I was saved to the point where we couldn't wear pants I was the long skirt wearing girl. I kind of looked like a Muslim going to high school. But I said to myself, if this is what it takes, and we find out that it didn't take all that. But anyway, I said, if this is what it takes, I'm going to wear this skirt every single day. And then when I got my yearbook, one of all the people that watched me said, never change. Never change. Even though I might have had some slip-ups, but I got right back on course. And that's the good thing about Jesus. He makes provision even when we go off course. In 1 John 1, 9, he said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins, and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. That's not... That's not a, a get out of jail card. That's not something to wash you off because you know you're going to sin. That's a scripture to wash you off because you don't want to sin. Right? 
So this walk with God is about laying up treasures in heaven because we esteem the kingdom of God because when we give, when we fast, and when we pray God's way, our voice is heard in heaven. We store up treasures in heaven. He said, do not lay for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where neither thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So when we give, when we pray, when we fast, our reward comes from heaven. He promised that if we do it with a godly attitude, like Pastor Ceci showed us the other night, our heavenly father will reward us openly when we do it with the right attitude. So everything that we do, tithing is including in that. First fruit is including in that. Those principles are forever established in heaven. And Hebrews says that Jesus is alive. He is our great high priest who receives our tithe. He receives our offering. He receives all the good things that we follow him in and he bottles them up. And when we go before him in prayer, we can remind God about our tithe. I heard a story of a Mexican pastor. There was a pastor that came from America. He was preaching. And so that pastor was interpreting. But he asked somebody else to watch his child. So when he was watching his child and throughout the service, the service went on so long, somehow the child got away from everybody. But on that same night, it was baptism. They had already finished the baptism, but the pool was left, apparently unattended. And so the child, about five years old, ended up falling into the pool, and the child drowned. So when the father heard about it, he grabbed the child out of the pool, and he went before God. And he was screaming in Spanish, and the English pastor was asking, what is he saying? What is he saying? He had his child. He went in that room. He shut that door. Nobody else was there, but they could see through the peak and they could, the, the window, but they could hear him. And so the English pastor asked, what is he saying? What is he saying? And the man said to him, he's saying to God, God, I'm a tither. 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 And do you know that child was raised from the dead on the basis of the fact that the man knew has a relationship with God, gave out of his heart in obedience to God, and is asking God to respond to his promise, and God raised his son up. We got to make our voice heard in the heavenly. Stand to your feet. We got to make our voice heard in the heavenlies. 
You got to make your voice heard in the heavenly. In line and in agreement with what the word says. Remember, the angels hearken unto the voice of God's word. If God is going to bring an answer to a prayer, it's going to be in line with what? His word. Because we have confidence if we go before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. Why? Because we are his children. Right? He hears us. You never have to wonder whether or not God hears you. The other day in 72 hours, I was praying and I was asking the Holy Spirit. And I kept saying, Holy Spirit, show me. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. And you know what the Holy Spirit said? I heard you the first time. I'm like, okay, God. All right. He hears us. Not only does he hear us, but we can have the petitions that we desire of him. Because when we obey his word, Jesus is alive. And we give under a different order. We give under the order of Melchizedek. Not under the Levitical priesthood order, where if we don't give, we'll be cursed. We give under the, the order of Melchizedek. That comes along with a blessing. Don't forfeit your blessing. Go before God. Learn his precepts. Learn what he wants. Because that's what God works with. He can't work outside of his word. Because his word is forever established in heaven and in earth. And he never works outside of his word. We have to get in with him. We have to come in agreement with him because we will find life and healing and deliverance and wholeness in his word. So just like that Mexican pastor went before God and petitioned before him on the basis of, of him being in agreement and in obedience to his word, we too can go before God. How many of you are believing God for things? How many of you have petitions before the Lord? How many of you are, are just bound by something that you've been asking God to deliver you from? I know that there's somebody in this room today that is falling in that category. How many of you are believing God to mend your relationship? Maybe you're believing God to give you a man, a husband, or a wife. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's that child that is struggling in school and Lord knows that thing, nothing pricks your heart more than when you are going through with your child. I'm here to let you know that if you put the word of God on it, that you allow the word of God to work, even if you have to wait, he said, you can wait and not worry. You don't have to worry and wait. You can wait and not worry. And you can have strength in the midst of it. Maybe you're believing God for a new position this year. Maybe you're believing God to be repositioned this year. Like Zacchaeus, a great example. He was a short Jewish man who was a tax collector for the Romans. But he heard about Jesus. Thank you. He heard about Jesus. He was too short because the crowd was covering him and he couldn't see him. So he got up into the sycamore tree, right? We learned it in Sunday school. So I'm going back to Sunday school. Just come back to Sunday school with me for a minute. 
So he climbed up into the sycamore tree. And when he climbed up into the sycamore tree, he saw Jesus. Not only did he see Jesus, but Jesus saw him. And Jesus told him, Zacchaeus. And everybody's looking around like, why is Jesus calling him? Out of all the people, out of all the people in this room, why is Jesus speaking to your heart today? Out of all the people on that day, he saw Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus was a liar. He was a tax collector. He was a thief. He was still in the people's money. But he had a change of heart. And he was repositioned that day. Because when he met Jesus and talked to Jesus, he said, Jesus, I'll give everything I have. You can have everything. You can have it all, Jesus. And he said, Zacchaeus, salvation is coming to you today. Salvation. Lift your hands. Close your eyes. God, there's nothing greater than what you have for us. There's nothing better. There's nothing to be compared. And many of us have been trying to do this thing on our own. And we made it in. But God, there's no change. Maybe because there's no water, no seed, no word. But we esteem your word, Lord. We esteem your word this morning. And we say, Heavenly Father, touch our hearts. Open our hearts. For some, some need to let you in. But some need to say, Jesus, I want to be like Zacchaeus. And say, Lord, you can have everything. So whatever you've been holding back, I'm going to ask the altar workers to come if we have them. Altar workers, please come. Let us come. And we can touch and agree. Maybe you have not received Jesus. Maybe you haven't received them. But this is a new day. It's a new season. Old things have passed. And behold, things are new. And in the kingdom of God, it's different from the world. It can't be compared or trying to be squeezed into the ways of the world. It's different. And we can accept that. We, if you accept that, the sooner you accept that, the sooner you'll see the fruit manifest in your life, no matter whatever it is. Because there are higher heights and deeper depths in God. So first I'm going to pray for you if you don't know the Lord. Father, if there is anyone in here today that doesn't know you and wants to say, come into my heart today. I want you to come to my house. I want you to make your home in me. I want you to live in me, Jesus. I promise you, if you say that, he will come. And maybe that's you. If you said that, come now and allow someone to pray with you. Make it known. Confess before men. Make it known. And then immediately after 
receiving Jesus, as soon as there is water baptism, you need to be water baptized. You should be water baptized. Thank you, Lord. And so for those of you who are standing, all of us need help. All of us have gone down the wrong path in some way. And all of us had tried to do it on our own. But I'm here today in Jesus' name to say that he can make your path straight. He can turn crookedness into strength. And he can turn worry into trust. And he can turn doubt into faith. So I'm going to ask you to come and just allow these altar workers, one of the altar workers, to pray with you, to lay hands on you and speak on behalf of the Lord. Because this year is going to be the year where we see the harvest. If you believe that, come ahead and go for, come go forward, come forward and allow someone to pray with you, come in agreement with you, because this year is going to be a different year where we will find our place in the Lord, that we will find our purpose in the Lord, and we will find healing and deliverance and the promises are going to be fulfilled in the name of Jesus. They are going to be fulfilled in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you that was a clarion word and I grabbed onto it and I know that I'm going to see the fruit. Hallelujah. And you can see the fruit. You can see the fruit. You can see the fruit. If God can do it for my marriage, he can do it for your marriage. Thank you, Lord. If God can deliver my heroin addict husband, he can deliver you. Thank you, Lord. If God can pull us out of oppression, like Pastor Marty was saying on the other day, he can deliver you. And he wants to deliver you. He died to deliver you. He shed his blood to deliver you. To bring you out of darkness. To bring you into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. The light of freedom. The light of liberty. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.